Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for joining me today. We've got a great show. We've got Mathilde Halligan, and she was born in Portugal. She immigrated to the United States, attended Montclair State University, and she started her HR career. And she worked with Starwood Hotels and Resorts, and then she worked for, had different leadership roles for Fortune 500 companies. Then in 2014, she shifted and she founded River Run HR with a clear mission to deliver strategic guidance in supporting a small company's goals behind traditional and tactical human resource solutions. And we certainly know all small companies and, and large corporations today are facing some real challenges. Thank you so much for being with me today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And it's it's very timely. You know, spring break has just been over. And that's got, usually that's one transition. You know, you go on vacation, come back, go to work. And it, our life has changed so much. All of our professional roles have shifted, even for those that have always worked from home. You know, if you've you've always worked from home and been able to send your kids to school and your spouse or your partner to their office, it was a different world when you have everybody working from home. And I think that you had, I know you have two kids, and I think you had to go through that little shift in, in roles, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. You know, I, I think of myself as a, you know, pretty disciplined person when it comes to working remotely or working from home. Um, Prior to the pandemic, um, I had sort of a very hybrid schedule where, you know, there were two or three days a week that I would visit clients. There were two or three days a week that I'm working from home, sometimes, you know, a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less of FaceTime, depending on the week. And, um, you know, when the pandemic came about and they said here in New Jersey where I'm based out of it was going to be a two-week lockdown and I thought okay you know kids are coming home for two weeks let's let's put our heads together my husband works in law enforcement so I knew he um not that he's not reliable but in terms of scheduling it wasn't something I I couldn't really consider uh, his schedule because he was going to be out there most of the time and I thought I had a plan and a backup plan and a a plan aside from, I mean, tons and tons of plans. So here I am probably on week three, day three of being on lockdown and uh, my children are in class. I said, listen, I'm leading a call. I've got about, you know, 250 participants on the call. I am leading the call. Do you know what that means? They're nine and 10. Um, It means that I'm doing most of the speaking, and that means that there cannot be any interruptions. It's a 45-minute call, 15 minutes at the end for questions. No interrupting, no noise. Stay in your rooms. Do not um, come out unless, you know, somebody's on fire. They said, okay, I understand. No problem. They went to their rooms. They started their school day, and here I am. 10 minutes into my call, I'm speaking, and I hear this loud hip-hop 
music. I mean, it was outrageous. And I hear somebody on the call, one of the senior leaders say, hey, um, I need somebody to mute. I hear some background noise. And I'm mortified <laughs> because I know where that background noise is coming from. And I am uh, a little bit shell-shocked that, you know, that this is happening. I, I'm like, oh, my God. So I say to the group, I said, you know what? I said, I'm having some connection issues. I, I need to just pause for about 30 seconds and see if I can um, and, and see if I can change a setting on my computer really quick. So let me just take a 30 second pause. I remove the video. I mute myself. I run to my son's room. I mean, it was like an out of body experience. I grabbed him. I put him on my shoulder like a fireman carry and I flew down the stairs, went out to the deck, threw him in the back. He's like, my class finished early or something like there was something that had happened that basically like the teacher canceled class and said it would be independent studies, totally unprepared for it. And um, I was just listening to music. I'm like, I'm on a call and I cannot deal with this right now. And I locked him out 10 years old. It is March. <laughs> and I said, stay here. Do not come back in this house. And I locked him right out of the house uh, in the backyard. I said, don't come back in. And then I ran back upstairs, thought I was in shape. Apparently, I'm not as in shape as I thought, because here I am with my heavy breathing, trying to get back on the call. <gasps> Hi, everyone. I think I got it sorted out. Let's continue. And had to pretend that that whole exchange with one of my kids hadn't happened all in the meantime, thinking, oh, my God, this is so stressful. How This is day three. How am I going to make it? How am I going to make this work? Because there's no babysitters coming over. We're in a lockdown. There's no family coming over. There's no help. It's me. It's them. And it's my husband when he can be here because he's not here right now. He's working. He's out. So it was very, very, um, it was a wake up call for me that this wasn't going to be as easy as I had planned. And I'm using air quotes because there is no plan for something like this. It's very difficult to navigate. Wow. I, I have worked from home in my previous life and I understand what it's like. I can remember locking my kids in their bedroom and just saying, you know, you can't come out. Um, but, you know, I think we're probably everybody can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to be in some form or fashion. We're going to be transitioning back to the workplace or at least we're starting to talk about it. Um, I've been back to work because the work I do at the Brain Performance Center, psychotherapy and neurotherapy can't be done from home, um, has to be done in person. And and I, and I enjoy what I do, and I've always been happy to be here. But for those that have found out that they can work just as effectively from home as they can from going to work, how are they feeling about that? Well, I find that a lot of them are starting to get very anxious because many of these companies are beginning these conversations now about having a recall plan or, or bringing people back. I find that the best feedback I'm providing to companies is look like, let's not go from zero to 100, right? And I'm not speaking about the essential, um, the essential people, right? Not the hospitals, nothing like that. It's more of 
offices um, that do various different um, functions outside of uh, like educators or, or law enforcement hospitals and, and, and restaurants. But in, in those cases, I, I tell people like, let's think about a hybrid plan where people maybe come back, uh, you know, three days a week uh, to the office and two days a week they continue to work from home. Um, we really have to look at this as a case-by-case -case basis because it really does uh, create a lot of anxiety and angst for many who have now gotten used to being home. And uh, it's almost a new normal. It's still stressful uh, for some. For others, they're really enjoying, um, you know, being there for breakfast, lunch, or dinner with their families. You know, they're home and there's, you know, the sun is out. <laughs> you know, there, there, there are people that sometimes left before the, especially here in New York City, if you get into, uh, if you go on the train and you get on a 615 train, it's dark outside. By the time you leave the office, it's, it's dark outside. And I think many have said, wow, I really enjoy uh, being highly visible with my family and, and seeing them and, and, you know, looking out the window and, and the kids are outside or going to, you know, lunch with my wife and coming home and, and, you know, and it feels like I'm still productive. So I think for those people, this is going to be uh, much more difficult than companies are anticipating. And then there's the other side of the street. I mean, I have some clients that are actually, they're seeing going back to work as an opportunity, you know, to get out of the house, to see, to see their colleagues, do some professional development. And for I think sure. for, there's even a feeling of freedom because we've been in lockdown and there's been, we've had significant life changes and that makes some people anxious. So the thought of getting out of that kind of reduces anxiety. Yeah, I think um, th that's why I said, I, I think it's a case by case basis because I meet those people too. And even now they're already saying, hey, I'd like to be in the office five days a week. You know, I have uh, two high school kids and they're home all day. I need to like escape because when I'm there, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning or I'm putting away dishes and I'm doing what like it, it's um, there's no work life balance. There's no separation. And coming into the office for some is an escape from uh, from the house from the house, from the personal life, where it creates that separation, right? A clear, a clear division between your work life and your home life. Um, so, uh, like I said, having the both of best worlds would be great if you can. I, I mean, it really depends on the person. Well, it does. And I think, you know, my husband has been working from home and he's always traveled up until, well, he hasn't traveled much in the last year, but before that he traveled extensively so I've always had a lot of independence and when he was home and when there were five weeks I was home I just kept looking at him saying don't you have some place you can go <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's not because I mean it wasn't him it, it was all about me yeah. but now he's very well established himself and his company will be reopening in July um, but he started to take over the downstairs. And yeah. I said, you know, at the end of the day, I at least, would you please, at least at the end of the day, take your computer, fold it up, and put it in your briefcase. 
just, you know, take it off the kitchen table. Now, we have an upstairs area, an office that he could use, but he did not want to use that. And I think that he has begun to understand the necessity to have a workspace and to have a home space. So he is in the process of moving up there. But, you know, to me, part of driving home from work is that's where I let my stress out. That's how I manage my stress. I mean, I kind of wrap up my day, think about what my challenges were and let them go. And I think for those that are working in the home, when do you do that? Right. Yeah. I think um, I found it more and more because I've spoken to so many different people. And I remember, and I have my own office here at home. And with so much activity going on in my own home, I found myself, you know, bringing my laptop down to the kitchen and working in the kitchen. And there was one day that my husband said, you started your day at 6.30 and it was, I want to say 10.45 p.m. and I was still down there working um, with a few breaks in between. But he said, there's just no separation. You're cooking breakfast, you're on email. You're making lunch, you're on email. You're throwing a load of laundry, coming back, doing that, doing this. And there was just no separation. I thought it would start at 8.30, but it started with hey, Mafalda, can you and I connect at 7.45 for a quick chat before that 8.30 meeting? Um, Because people have no sense of what's going on in uh, other people's homes, and it's just constant work. It's a constant flow of work. Um, I think for certain roles, that is, I can certainly say that mine as a consultant, it 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 has that layer to it. Whereas when I'm going into an office and someone knows I'm going to be there at X time, they're not calling me an hour before to chat about X, Y, Z. They wait for me to get there, you know? So I do think that work-life balance, those lines get very blurry. Well, I think you're right. You know, those boundaries that are so very clear in a workplace when you're working from home, there are no boundaries. Well, I know she's there. I mean, she can't go anywhere. We're in been in lockdown. Um, and they're working those crazy hours. So they're projecting that onto everybody else. And I think that, you know, I asked one client, really not looking forward to going back to work. Um, yeah. Kids are back in school. And that has really, come, oh, now I really like working from home. Uh, so I want you to make me a list. Uh, because she has to go back. I mean, there's it, there's not really any choice. But I want you to make me a list of reasons of why you're happy about going back to work. I got the most interesting stare down after I said that. <laughs> and I said, yeah. no, you know, we've got to reframe the thoughts. So as we people re-enter civilization... What mm-hmm. what strategies do you have for them? Yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of, well, let's take a step back, right? Because for a very long time, I have been a very big proponent of remote working. You know, for years, research has shown that it promotes uh, productivity levels, better health, uh, you know, uh, retention in the workplace, higher morale, lower stress levels, right? All of those things. Um, And the reason for that is because I think more people 
have the opportunity to, like I said before, just fulfill personal commitments, whether it's going to the gym or dropping off their kids at school or picking them up. Um, But I think that for a lot of organizations, uh, they don't know how to create um, boundaries with with an employee. And, And I think the employee, if if a person is not able to set the right boundaries between themselves and their employer, then it really does lead to burnout. So I would say for anybody in the situation um, who wants to continue to work from home and feels that it's it's important to them to understand, is it leading to burnout? Is it creating some work, some blurriness in terms of like the work-life boundary? And if it is, perhaps talk to the employer and see if you can work out somewhat of a more hybrid schedule or perhaps more of a compressed work week or just really be clear with what it is that you need. And hopefully you work for the type of company that if you're a high performer, um, you can you can meet in the middle, you know, and it's a win-win for both the company and and yourself. Well, and I think, you know, you make some really good points, but I think people are projecting that they're going to go back to work and they're going to be stressed out. Yeah. And that's what I hear in the conversations I have with my clients is that they're, they're saying, I'm going to go back, you know, and I'm going to be all stressed out. Right. And I, I have to say, stop and ask yourself, how do you know that you're going to be stressed out at work? Right. Yeah. Where is that coming from? Why? Absolutely. Because a lot of times it's like everything else. You know, we get that negative self-talk going in our head and we all do. We all get that, you know, those ants, those automatic negative thoughts. And they're so fast and so furious. You don't even know they were there. It's just all of a sudden, I don't want to do that. I'm mad. I'm irritable. I don't want to do that. So, you know, you have to stop and think, where is that coming from? Because what I hear a lot around the whole conversation of returning to work is it's all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And I think that if you feel that way, then there was clearly a problem before this, you know, before you went to work remotely that that didn't necessarily get addressed. And maybe that needs to be addressed, because if there is so much stress in going back into that environment, then let's talk about it. What was it? Are you a workaholic? Are you working for the right type of organization that demands, you know, 80 hours a week is, is, you know, I think people need to have self-awareness as to, okay, I'm at this point in my life. Is this what I, you know, you get out of it, what you put into it. Um, Maybe there were some untapped uh, concerns there prior to the pandemic. And obviously going remote, you might still be putting in that 80 hour work week but you're home. And it's like you said, the brain automatically goes to the negative. We see change as, uh, as I'm losing something, you know, not necessarily as I'm gaining. I, I do an exercise very often um, in team building where I ask people to uh, partner up with someone. And I say, I want you to uh, face each other and really look at each other's appearance. Now turn around and change five things about your appearance. And Lee, when I go through this exercise, people will take off rings, watches, earrings, turn around, they point out the five changes, I say turn around again, change five more things. 
And it gets harder and harder and harder to make those changes. And the lesson that I give people is I said change five things. I gave you no rules, none other than to change five things. And in every situation, when people change, they remove an article of clothing or an accessory. Changing could be, look, if I'm in a group with 100 people who are doing this exercise, what's to say I can't borrow this person's watch or take that person's, um, like if I gave you the specifics of how to solve this problem, um, you wouldn't see change as a, as a negative. You know, it, it can be a good thing. But people, I think uh, the human nature is that change is I'm losing. Well, I think change brings out the, the four-letter word, fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think fear, dri- fear drives so many of our emotions, you know, because the first thing that happens when you, when you get afraid of something is you get anxious. You get really yeah. anxious. And that autonomic nervous system just gets all whacked out. The, yeah. you know, the sympathetic takes over that fight or flight mode that you, that you mm-hmm. hit. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I don't know whether to fight or flight. And then the parasympathetic takes over. And so you just kind of go numb, you know, you're fatigued. And that window of tolerance is so small that you, you know, to keep that reg, that autonomic nervous system regulated, you, it takes a lot of work. It takes it does take a lot of work and it takes a lot of positive thoughts and every, every, every day we have three times more positive thoughts than negative thoughts, but the brain, the brain's job is to keep us alive. And so the brain go back to the caveman days, you know, you stick your head out and what are you doing? You're scanning for danger. The right hemisphere of the brain still does that. Two-thirds of the cells all day long are looking for danger. And so you've got to you've got to stop and think about what am I paying attention to? And I'm sure you help, you know, s- small companies, large companies wrap their arms around what's really going on and what are you paying attention to? Are you paying attention to all the negative chit-chat? Yeah. Or you listening, are you looking for the positive? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you you hit the nail on the head. You know, your brain likes being in control and uncertainty, it feeds our fear, you know? So when, when people have uncertainty or it's like you said, if you don't have, if you don't feed your brain with those positive thoughts and if you don't manifest that, um, and look, there's a lot of different things. I, over the, the last few years, have really taken to meditation and uh, and really manifesting a lot of positivity first thing in the morning. It, it really sets a good tone for my day. And uh, it really helps me stay in check, uh, you know, because I, I think human nature is um, that we reject uncertainty and, and, you know, we have to to get that emotion out of the way so that we don't lose clarity a little bit as to um, that there's always a solution for everything. There is, but the hard part is, is you've got to remain open-minded enough Mm -hmm. to consider because we all know what we want the solution to be, (laughs) but it's not always going to be that solution. And I think if you can be open-minded, open your heart to the different things that can happen And then at least, you know, sometimes I'm always surprised that clients will come in and we'll we'll have talked about a situation that was they were 
extremely concerned about. And we've talked about all the different options that they have. And they'll always come back with something. You know what? I never thought this could happen. And it did. And it's so yep. much better. Yeah. I. One of the things um, that I really do strive when I talk to different clients is, look, like you have to, as a company, take steps to understand and preserve your employees' well-being in light of COVID-19. We have to understand that they're carrying additional stress and that that additional stress is going to have implications on your business. So, like I said, it's a two-way street and, and it really takes a lot of communication and hopefully, you know, having the right leadership at, at a company to um, to understand how to navigate that when it comes to the employees. But it is something that um, that shouldn't be ignored. Well, are you seeing, because, you know, the leadership at the companies, they've all been impacted by this just like everybody else. Are you seeing a softening? Are you seeing a more empathetic attitude about coming back to work? I find, you know, and um, if I'm being truly honest, that I think that there is a small percentage that is empathetic, right? Um, People care. I mean, even now, one year later, um, COVID is still a very real thing. You know, people are still losing loved ones and um, kids are still in some states, uh, you know, virtual. They're not back at school, especially in a lot of the inner cities. And I find that a lot of organizations uh, that are on the ground, like boots on the ground and understand their employees, that they're em- empathetic. I find that others that, you know, um, a majority, I would say, that at this point it's been a year and that they're much more concerned about, okay, let's get back to business as usual and and let's really um, – you know, let's just move forward. And quite honestly, it depends on on the productivity that they feel that they've gotten over the last year. If they look at a 12-month um, recap, um, despite it being a COVID-19 year and how that's impacted a business, but did their employees uh, produce? Did they, did they step up and did the company save money? And that's really what seems to be driving some of those decisions. I know it's terrible, but that that is the truth. Well, you know, it is going to be difficult. And, and, you know, if you're one of those people that are really worried about, you know, am I going to be able to get myself back in the groove when I go back to work, then stay with us because we're going to talk a lot more about things that you can do to help you get yourself back in the groove. And, you know, one of the best quotes that I remember And, of course, it was from somebody that, you know, Thomas Jefferson, it seems the harder I work, the more luck I have. And I love that quote. And I have to say, I have reminded myself of that fact several times. You know, before we take a break, is there anything that comes to your mind immediately? Or we'll just come back and we'll talk about, for those that are having a hard time getting in the groove, how we can help them do that. Yeah. We'll be back after these messages. It's words you never heard. 
I just hate it when someone starts a sentence by saying, don't take this the wrong way, but... According to Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal, we all do this on occasion. Some people refer to these phrases as tee-ups. That seems fitting. What do you do with a golf ball? You tee it up and then give it a giant wallop. Tee-ups like, to tell you the truth, supposedly soften the blow. But if you are taking the trouble to announce your honesty now, maybe you've been telling too many teradiddles, flummery, and fiblets. Being on the wrong side of a tee-up can be confusing for the listener. What are other words for confusion and frustration? Wouldn't dream and jargoggle. Maybe it would be best to try to remain pricknickety. That means totally above board and precise. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. There are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mideastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Fluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back, and for all of you that are thinking about when you return to the the office and starting to feel real anxious about it, please know it's not all doom and gloom. It is going to be hard, and there are things that we're not going to like about it, but it's certainly something that we can do, and what I offer as a resolution for people, when you feel that stress coming on, when you feel those shoulders coming up around your ears and you look like you're wearing earrings, stop, drop those shoulders and focus on your breath. Breathe in very slowly, feel that belly button punch out and then breathe out very slowly. Because if you can slow your breath rate down, you slow your heart rate down. If you can get your breath rate and your heart rate to dance together, you're creating heart rate variability and that is a sign of wellness. So for those of you that are feeling anxious, Mafalda, what, where do you have to tell them? Where, where should they start? I think one of the key issues that, you know, people that are having anxiety about returning to work, uh, they tend to experience, and, and you and I talked a little bit about that just before, is they experience these what-if thoughts which can lead to total worry over these future scenarios that may or may not even happen, right? I mean, you start thinking of every situation, every perceived outcome or situation, and, and, and that's all triggered by these negative thoughts. And, um, and, you know, I don't know if part of that is, do you enjoy your work? I, I think ask yourself some questions. Do I enjoy my work? Um, have I lost motivation? Um, 
do I have a positive perspective about, you know, my boss or what I do, um, you know, and, and really trying to, uh, to exercise resilience and not let those negative thoughts creep up um, because they can really highlight a lot of self-doubt and, and affect some of those confidence levels. But I think the first thing is to really not go into this place of what if, what if this happens, what if that happens? Um, I think getting back to that routine after a break can be hard, but um, th- those negative thoughts really have the ability to, um, to, to create a lot of self-doubt and, and make it stressful. Well, and I think, you know, resilience is key because resilience is our ability to pick ourselves up off the ground. And it's easy to do when things are going our way and we hit a little bump in the road. It's okay. But when things aren't going our way and we hit a little bump in the road, you know, we feel like, oh, we've been knocked off the road. We've got a flat tire. My battery's probably going to die pretty soon. And and, you know, one of the, the exercises that I use with people is that when you think about resilience, think about you're in a sailboat and mm-hmm. think about all the things that it, that can impact. You're the captain. Then you have the sailboat. You could get a leak in the boat. You know, the weather could change. Um, there could be too many boats in the harbor, your, your network of people that can stop you from getting out. And stop and think about all the things that that could take your resilience down, because there's only one person that yeah. can get get that sailboat out of the bay, and that's you. That's right. Yeah, it, it's definitely. I think managing this is first understanding. Well, how how do I react when I'm distressed? Am I, um, do I get a tightness in my chest? I know for me personally, I can't sleep, you know, um, I have, uh, someone that I work with and she has, when she complains about her stomach being upset, I know for her, that's how she manifests that she's stressed, you know? So I think it's really first and foremost, um, identifying, you know, what are the, um, how do I manifest stress? Like, how do I, when I'm distressed, what does that look like? Right. Um, but it does, it all comes back to you and, and you identifying your reactions and your, and your, uh, and the opposite of that. Well, and I think so many people do feel that stress physically, whether they're nauseous or whether their heart beats really fast or their hands get sweaty, or some people even say they'll stand up too quick and be dizzy. And that's what the one thing that you can do is breathe into it. Because mm-hmm. if you focus on your breath, to breathe really slow, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everybody's optimal breath rate is four to seven breaths a minute. When we're talking, I'm probably taking 12 to 14 breaths in order to spit it all out. But it's hard work to slow it down. And that's something that you can do no matter where you are. You can do it in a conference room. You can do it in a board meeting. You can do it in the elevator. It's something that, you know, that you can use to control. And as you know, we can only control what we can control. And that's what we need to focus on. Yeah. I think the other part of this is also uh, avoiding that all or nothing type of 
mentality, right? It, it's got to be all of this or 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 nothing at all. It's it's all in or all out. And you know, especially with people, um, I actually just had a conversation today with someone where I said, look, like this is the direction the company is going in. Um, they're going to be recalling uh, folks back. And effective, you know, 30 days from today, you're going to need to come back to the office. And she was very upset. And I, I said to her, I, I think a helpful thing would be to remember that you have control over your own behaviors to keep yourself safe, whether it's wearing a mask, washing your hands, practice social distancing. But, you know, what can you tell yourself that gives yourself a better sense of uh, coping rather than feeling victimized, you know? And um, it, it was a it was a more direct approach with this person because we have a good rapport, but it, it's also, um, you know, it's also, she needed to hear that, you know, that it, it's not all or nothing, you know? Um, and that you have control over the situation, you do. Well, you know, and so many of us, there's so many ways self-defeating thoughts manifest. You know, and and my personal is the shoulds and the must. You should do that, Lee. You must do that. And then when I don't do it, they bring out their friends, the shame and the blame. Shame Mm -hmm. on you. Shame on you for not doing that. So we all just need to really stop and think about, you know, where did that thought come from? And I Google self-defeating thoughts are negative thoughts. I mean, there's so much information and, and catch yourself. And, oh, my gosh, it's not a catastrophe. Am I catastrophizing again? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think um, everything you're saying, absolutely, it, it, it hits the, it hits well. It definitely is very, um, it hits the spot for me, for sure. I think, um you know, in terms of resilience, that that's even a topic that I find a lot of companies are really focusing employee development on because they're finding that people have a very difficult time. It's not this uh, factor. It's not an attribute that just comes naturally to a lot of people. And um, sometimes I often get the question like, hey, can we do a class on resilience? Can we... Um, can we make suggestions to people on what they need to do to be more resilient, whether it's in the workplace or their personal life? Um, because I think that is a, a big part of this as well. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that if people will just stop and practice self-care mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure you get enough sleep, make sure you eat healthy, you exercise Take regular breaks. Mm -hmm. You know, self-care, we want to take care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. But many of us don't want to stop and take care of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, that is such a, that is such a true statement. I think um, it's so funny because in the last 12 months, I find that so much good has come out of, uh, you know, this entire pandemic. You have people that will say, I lost 50 pounds. I'm eating better than ever. Um, I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm, I went on, you know, uh, a walk every single day for, for nine months. I did that. And it was something I wasn't doing before. So 
I feel like for so many people, they came out of this in such a positive way. And for so many others, it, it was like this opposite effect where uh, before they felt like they had more time to take care of themselves. And look, self-care can be so many things. It can be um, even, I don't know, sometimes I'll, I'll say to myself, I'll lay out my clothes the night before I have to go to an important business meeting. And that to me feels like self-care or doing, I, I mean, my mask on a Sunday <laughs> for five minutes. It, it can be, um, you know, my morning, uh, you know, I, I started recently juicing. I think, you know, it, it's waking up half an hour early and reading the paper and, and having my juice or my tea before everybody else is up. You know, I think having the discipline to really, in, like, you know, self-care has to be very intentional. It, it's not just going to come to you. Um, so I, I think you're right about that, that self-care makes a big difference in, in the matter. Well, you really hit home with me. Every morning I stand in my closet and I look and I don't have anything to wear. And <laughs> I, I waste so much time just trying to figure out what I'm what I'm going to wear. And, you know, that is when you said that about lay out your outfit the night before, I thought, oh, well, now there's an idea. Yeah. No, I look at the weather. It's like, Alexa, what's the weather tomorrow? And then I, I tell myself, what's my day going to look like? Am I going to be sitting down in meetings? Am I going to be going? What type of people am I going to be seeing? Can I wear jeans? Should I wear boots? Is it going to rain? And, um, and I really plan it out. Sometimes I'll even go on Pinterest for some ideas just to really, you know, shake things up a little bit. And, um, and, but it, it really, you know, I didn't always do that. And that was really, again, uh, these different um, routines that I've established over the years that when I wake up in the morning, I look forward, okay, I, I feel ready. I get up, I, I feel very motivated. I know exactly what I'm going to wear. I, it just, it sets the day, um, the direction in the day in a very different manner. Like it just gets started for me in a very positive way. Well, you know, and there's one thing that, that when we, this all started almost a year ago, one thing that I promised myself I was going to do, and that was reduce the amount of time that the television was on, or mm -hmm. I listened to negative podcasts or mm -hmm. I'm not a real big social media person, so that wasn't a real hard thing for me to do. But it's one of the things that I think self-care is all about. It's reducing the amount of negative information that you have coming into your head. Yeah, yeah. And um, the other thing that I think uh, is good to just say, you know, what do they say? Habits are formed in... Um, like 21 days yeah. And in three months, you have like a whole routine down. Isn't there a saying, I'm going to remember it in a minute. It, it, there's like definitely something about it takes 21 days to form a new habit and it basically takes 90 to create a new lifestyle. So, um, you know, it, it, it's that, that repetition is really important. It's not just doing it one day here, one day there, but doing it every single day until it just becomes uh, a way of life, you know? And, and I think it's great to set goals for ourselves, 
but to really be, you know, to break them out into smaller tasks and to make it manageable. Like I'm not going to lose uh, 30 pounds in three months. I mean, maybe I could, but maybe I start with just, I'm going to walk every day or I'm going to do this every day. Or if I want to get rid of the negativity, I, I always told my children, like, you are a product of the five people you spend the most time with. And if those people, if one of those people, two of those people are negative, you're going to be negative. So it's really understanding and having um, the, again, the self-awareness to know what are the changes I need to make in my life and to make those changes on a consistent basis every single day until it just becomes second nature to you. You don't even think about it. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the people going back to work, but what about the business owners? I mean, I think they're probably experiencing a fair amount of stress. What's happened to their business in the last year? Has some revenue streams dried up? Um, I mean, I think that it's not just of us going back to work, but the people running the businesses or own the businesses, they have their stress too. Yeah, I think especially more so like the small business owners, because as you've seen in the headlines over the last year, I think so many small business owners really took such a, um, you know, the pandemic really created so much uncertainty for, for so many of them. And I think that as they now um, either continue to run their operations remotely or they're still navigating the changes that are going on, or they're now recalling people back. Um, I think for a lot of them, I find that they're being very conservative and taking their time to unwind to make sure that they're making the right decisions, that they set goals and priorities so that, you know, there's always this, uh, this fear of like, what if, what if there's another wave? What if, you know, I think a year ago, people didn't think in a million years that we would ever be in the world we are today. I don't think anyone can really plan or anticipate that. So for a lot of business owners, I think there's uh, a lot of mixed emotions going on, right? Um, There's excitement, but there's also, again, that word, fear of, um, you know, how do we, how do we focus on aligning our overall business goals with the people coming back and move forward in a very positive way. Well, and I think that we all ought to start up and ask ourselves the question, how do I make the thought of going back to work less stressful? And it's the good old simple exercise. Take a piece of paper, draw a line in the middle, write down the the positives that are associated with going back to, to work, and then write down the negative. Because a lot of times, There are more positives. Now, we have to stop and think about it, really think about it. But when we do, they're there. Um, So I think that we all have to kind of get ourselves, we put ourselves in a little box because the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I think it's good to, you know, schedule in some joy in that day. So, okay, now you're going back to work. You have a lot of uncertainties regarding, you know, how things are going to go as you you change this routine. You know, schedule in some, some fun in that day. Put it on your calendar if you have to. And maybe it's, you know, what part of being home did you really enjoy? Uh, 
Can you FaceTime your kids for maybe 30 minutes? Uh, can you go for a walk outside? If, if you're near a city and you take a metro uh, system to work, maybe schedule to stop a few blocks before your stop so you can walk the rest of the way to work. Is it having lunch outside now that the warmer weather is coming back for, for certain states, obviously? Whatever that is, you know, I think that you know, sticking to these new type of routines, um, I think it's adjusting, adjusting so that it doesn't have to be, again, all or nothing. Um, and, and finding the small joys in and in including them in the day. And that's, you know, joy is something that if we just stop and think about what, what am I grateful for? And that brings me joy. But do I, is what I'm grateful for top of mind? Not, not, no. But when I stop and I think about it, I am grateful. There's so much that I am that I have that I'm grateful for, and that in itself brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think um, the other part of this is really again navigating that back to work. It is communication with, you know, hopefully you have a boss or a leader or a company that that is willing to listen and. Um, but I think communicating, communicating effectively, you know, and, and really coming to the table with with like, here are some of my real concerns and why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And how can you help me um, as a company um, navigate? Is there anything? And and if the answer is no, which which there's a high likelihood that it, it might be, um, then then you really, again, have to, you know, make some decisions in terms of whether, uh, you know, is this just me being stressed out and uh, and being, you know, nervous Nelly or dealing with some real anxiety um, that, I, that, you know, that's creating some uh, distress here? Is it, um, is it that it's really out of my control? Is it that I need to find a babysitter for my kids to pick them up every day after school? Like, what is it? You need to get to the why of, what is creating the stress and then try to find a solution for it. Well, and that's a very good point because most of us, 80% of us, actually, I got this off of Harvard Health, 80% of us are either worrying about the future or Mm -hmm. lost in the past. We can't stay in the present moment. And when we get stressed out, that that's the unknown, the uncertainty, and that takes us out of the present moment. So if we can just stay present, I think that, you know, don't let your mind run away with all those. And you mentioned it earlier, all those thoughts. We create these expectations and they're unrealistic a lot of the time, um, whether they're whether they're all or nothing, wanting perfection or whether they're not enough because of fear. You know, try not to let your mind run away with those thoughts. Yeah. And, and look, I, I definitely differentiate between people who have very serious anxiety issues and those who have just lost their mojo and are trying to adjust and are just dealing with anxiety in general as they try to navigate this this change, this big change in their lives. Um, and, you know, I think some people are, are very fearful about infection or they have a disability or that they're older or they have older parents. I mean, there's that. And then there's, you know, again, just 
you know, feeling stressed because there's no silver lining and they're going back into the rat race one more time and uh, and they don't want to get back on that train. And I think, again, it's understanding which of those two people you are and then seeking, you know, either assistance if needed from a, a professional or again, uh, going through some uh, personal reflection, awareness, whatever that is, mindfulness techniques, uh, you know, or, or communication, whatever that looks like. But the path is, is not always the same for everyone. No, it's not. But one thing that I, that I do think is the same is that this is what I tell people. Everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And that's mm-hmm. a quote from Georgia there. And I mean, fear stands in the way so for so many of us. And I think at this time, if we just put the fear aside and we think of the positive, think about that cookie store that used to go by. And on Fridays, you'd stop and buy cookies for the family for the weekend. Or think about that great cup of coffee you could get. Or, you know, there's, there's certain things that we all identify positive with where we work. And we just got to reframe those thoughts. So for people out there, for companies out there that are facing this challenge, if they wanted to learn more about you or know how to contact you, how would that, how would they do that? Well, I think uh, for sure the best way to get the most information is on riverrunhr.com. It has uh, everything about us. It has, uh, you know, what we do and uh, a little nice bio about me and how to get in touch with me. And our primary focus is really uh, to help companies, um, you know, get to where they need to with their HR. And that can be anywhere from compliance, the corporate governance, employee handbooks. But most importantly, aside from all that legalese you just heard me talk about, it's also about coaching, it's engagement, it's um, strategy. So it's really looking at a company and saying, hey, where are you going? Where do you want to go? And do you have the right people? And do those people have the skills? And are they engaged? And um and how do we help them get there, you know, so that it's a win-win for everyone? Well, and I think one thing that we that we all want individually, professionally, is we all want to come back bigger, better, and stronger. I haven't spoken with one client that hasn't said, you know, on the other side of this, there's going to be some goodness. And I think we all want that. It's just that it's it's hard enough to figure out how we get that for ourselves. And if you are running a company and you have 100 people that you have to try and figure that out for, that can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. And um, look, I think either you run the day or the day runs you. And, and I think that if, um, if you strive to, in anything you do, uh, if you strive towards success, it's like the Thomas Jefferson quote um, that you mentioned before. You know, that, you know, to be a greater believer in luck and and find the harder I work, the more I have of it, uh, luck. You know, there's something to be said about that. There absolutely is. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. And and I've got some good ideas. I know what I'm going to do for myself, but I've got some good ideas for, for my clients and 
for those of you out there that if you go back to work and, and your performance and your motivation goes down, just remember, you're in charge of that. Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Brain Performance Center.